Hello everybody, welcome to the Farscape Rewatch podcast. I am your host, Can't Wear Hats, and joining me is Red Nightmare. Hello! And we're back for episode 8, which is called That Old Black Magic. A wizard mm. did it. <laughs> a wizard did do it. The, yes. I'm wondering if we need another count, even just for this episode of A Wizard Did It. Because <laughs> a wizard does a lot of things in this episode. We should actually do a D&D count. <laughs> <laughs> That's just going to be all the things. <laughs> fair. Okay, fair. Because, I mean, guess kind of spoilers. You know, we've we've been kind of making a running joke of things being like Dungeons & Dragons or an RPG throughout yes. this podcast because, you know, we're both kind of nerdy people who know a bit about this and some of the things stand out. Last episode, PK Tech Girl was like, all right, okay, this is sci-fi, this is, you know, yeah. what it is. Not this time. No. Nope. <laughs> this is almost. This is the probably the most D and D episode <laughs> that we've seen fair, so far. It's a very good episode. Yeah. No. It's it's a good episode. It's it just really feels like a module or like a session or something. <laughs> you mentioned it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So why don't we get into it? I mean. You can probably tell it's going to be involving that kind of stuff because it's called that old black magic. But yeah. You know. So we start off with uh, the crew of Moya are visiting a commerce planet looking for some supplies. Um, mm. One of which is uh, <laughs> some medicine for Rigel because Rigel is very sick. Also, John finds a dodo. A wild dodo appears. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a two-headed bird on uh, just sitting there. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I've been playing way too much Pokemon these past few days, so that was my first thought. You gotta, like... gotta catch them all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> John starting early. Yep. But yeah, I actually like. I I love Rigel's just hamming up how sick he is. Yeah, he's basically just got the flu. Yeah, he's got some form of uh, flu or space cold. They're all down on the planet, and he's back on Moya, of course. And you see him sort of sat on his bed, swaddled in sort of cloths, and wearing some kind of dressing gown. He's like, mm. oh, I'm dying. Uh, <laughs> I'm in so much pain. pain. <laughs> it's just, it's just got a really bad cold, but yeah. he's like milking it for all it's worth. <laughs> so um, they can't really find what they're looking for for uh, Rigel. But then there's mm -hmm. a, a merchant guy kind of sort of slides in... <laughs> sort of very uh, suspiciously, um, and he tells Zan that I I have what you need. Yeah, go speak to come him. Come over to my shop. Yeah. Also, this guy is uh, he is his skin is red and he's got I think yellow eyes. Yes, yellow yeah. eyes. It reminded me a bit of Zan, only uh, a different color. Palette swapped. Yeah. Yeah. I think given the rest of the episode, that's probably very intentional. Hmm. And so they've kind of split up a bit. Zan's gone off with him. Uh, Dargo and Aaron are still looking around. And Crichton has wandered off and is approached by a man who, for lack of a better description, is a jester. And he's like, hey, yeah, all right, John. And he actually calls him John. Crichton. Crichton. And he's like, what? How did you? And I actually like that John is immediately like, this is a scam. You're scamming yeah. me. Yeah, he, he talks about how he needs to get back to Earth and all, all stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. You probably heard, overheard Zan and Darko talking about that. Yeah, smart guy. Mm -hmm. And he's like, ah, but uh, if I had heard that, I wouldn't know where you went to school and that you skipped... He skipped third grade, his mother's maiden name was McDoodle, and he lost his virginity to somebody in the back of a minivan. <laughs> yeah, and John is quite 
reasonably freaked out. He's like, oh, excuse me. As if there's some yeah. kind of mind reading going on or something else is, oh, this is mm-hmm. weird. And the Jester guy is offering him to go and meet with a guy called Haloth. Yes, who can help him. Yeah, help him get back to Earth. He, he doesn't have to. He could just leave, but... Okay, kids, let me tell you something. <laughs> if you encounter a mind reader, run like hell. It's never a good idea. There's no scenario in, this, in which this works. Yeah. For some reason, if they know this type of information, you need to get the hell out. If somebody knows way too much about you without you ever having met them before, punch them in the face and run away. <laughs> Probably, actually. Not a bad idea. <laughs> uh, like, there is always, always, always a trap. Yep. And I'm a little surprised. I mean, John says this is a scam, but he doesn't quite cotton on to the fact that something else is going on. Yes. Like he just goes with it. He's like, "How does he know this?" That's the important part. Like, if they can't give a good explanation for that, get out. <laughs> but Crichton is intrigued, and he's freaking teleported yep. away or something in like this burst of red energy. I think, yeah, it's sort of a red mist energy ish. Yeah, and uh, and we meet Haloth, who is kind of an old wizened guy. He seems of... blind. He's he's, actually... No, he's actually wearing glasses. Yeah, I thought behind the glasses it looked like he was blind. Yeah, and he's got like a a cap on and is dressed in kind of robes. And Very the, hunched. And the place that they've been transported to is like a court room, or no, a courtyard, or like a an inner chamber of basically what a castle, yes. really. And there's some you know They're torches the on the walls and some statues and stuff. He's like, I wished you were here, in his best old man voice. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's like, oh, oh. I'm, I'm Hedoth, I have magic powers, or something. How did you get me here? I can't. I'm a fucking wizard. <laughs> <laughs> That's how, bitch. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but it's pretty close. <laughs> More or less. He says it politely. <laughs> Uh, and we cut back to uh, uh, the same time while he's talking to uh, Haloth. We cut back to Zan, who's now in that weird red guy's uh, shop. Yeah, um, for the purposes of... He's actually called Lyco. I don't remember yeah. that coming up much in the show, but well, that's easier for us to refer to him that yeah, way. Yeah, his name is Lyco. But yeah, I don't think they mention it. Yeah, but uh, he tells Zan that he's honored to be in the presence of a Delvian Pa'u. And he's like, you're 12th level, right? It's like, I only know. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been collecting my XP. <laughs> Lyco's like, oh, hmm. Then this encounter might be a bit above your level. <laughs> mm, just going <laughs> to frantically rewrite a few things. Huh? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> uh, but he does say that it's on a, it's still an honor to be in the presence of a ninth level. <laughs> and then they flirt aggressively. Oh, God, yeah. This is super <laughs> flirty. This was uh, like, oh, oh, oh. It's like she finds something that is apparently a powerful aphrodisiac, I guess. This, the scent of it enhances yes. the experience, as, yeah. they, as they say. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she's kind uh, of looking around his shop at various bits and pieces. He's like, well, I'd, uh, I can vouch for my product, but I, I suggest you try it first. And she's like, on my own? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I stand by my product. Mm-hmm. And then she, then she says, like, <laughs> then she's like, mm-hmm. uh, well... Let me see what else you have for offer. And then he drops his pets. <laughs> um, I don't think that happens. I think okay, you, okay. May, you may have imagined that. That last bit. <laughs> I'm very sorry. That's what I 
for some reason, that's the exact next thing I expected to happen. Like, <laughs> it was just incredibly flirty and just yeah. Like, well, that was like you could cut the sexual tension with a knife. <laughs> like, God damn it, you two, get a room. Yeah. <laughs> just do it already. So back with Crichton, he's asking Haloth what else he can do because apparently he zapped him there, mm -hmm. um, and knows everything about him. But he says, but uh, Haloth says, well, I can't send him home. I can't even point you in the right direction. It's like, oh, well, that's that's great. Thanks. What but, use do you have? But he does mention Crace, who has been chasing John all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, even though we haven't actually seen him for a while. We've yeah, just... I think somewhere in... The... We haven't seen him for a few episodes, at least. Yeah, I think it, it it's kind of a bit of uh, telling rather than showing that Crace is chasing them. It's like... Chris has been chasing you this whole time, but we haven't really seen much of him. Oh, there, I, I feel there have been enough hints at him that yeah, it's not no, that. It's, fine. it's not sudden. that bad. But um, Hayloth says he can let Crichton talk to Chris. Yeah, and... he can probably talk him down. Tell him it was just an accident because that worked perfectly last time, right? Yeah. I'm like, John, you already tried this in the pre in the first episode. It didn't work. I mean, in the first episode, uh, there were slightly different circumstances, but yeah. I'm like, you've seen how he was. <laughs> but we go and see Crace. We actually see a shot on his uh, command carrier. Mm -hmm. And he's got a communication from Peacekeeper High Command because he's actually giving orders to his uh, crew to just keep going, keep chasing keep them. Pushing them to their limits, yeah, basically, basically, without sleep and rest. Yeah, Crace actually looks visibly kind of frazzled and tired and a little bit uh, bedraggled. Like so he's been up all... Now like, you're just making up words. I assure you... That is not you, a word. I, is not a word. I, I assure you... It, who's the native speaker? <laughs> who's the, Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You, they can't even see that. <laughs> it's not relevant. It's raised. Anyway. But, <laughs> but yeah, Grace is clearly obsessed. Yeah, it looks like he's been going for a long period without sleep or something. Mm -hmm. um, but he's got a communique from Peacekeeper High Command who um, basically is <laughs> telling him to get... Get back and do his actual job. Get back, face the consequences. Yeah, pretty much. Because you lost the transport. Yeah, and he's... Yeah, they're telling him to... Okay, you lost the transport. Stop pursuing the Leviathan. Leave the Uncharted Territories. Come back to First Command for new orders and discipline, basically. Yeah, and basically, Chris is like, nope. No, he's he doesn't want to do that. And uh, he actually has his lieutenant with him, who's a woman called uh, Lieutenant Teague. Mm -hmm. And they're the only ones who have actually seen this uh, communication. Yes. Chris says he may, might be able to bide some time from High Command because he's going to go ahead with it. Yeah. Um, he's go he's going to find Crichton and yeah. extract his vengeance. Yeah. But he says it's very important that nobody else on the ship knows about this communication so that basically they'll do what he tells them <laughs> and won't mm. try and uh, mutiny or something. Because they feel he's not doing his duty to Peacekeeper High Command. No, he's basically on a personal vendetta, taking yeah. an entire ship worth of people and equipment. <laughs> but as long as they don't know that uh, High Command isn't happy with this, they'll probably stay loyal to Crace. Yeah. For now. Um, but anyway, Haloth has appeared in Crace's chamber, and he's like, Right, you're coming with me, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> basically, he teleports him away. Yeah. Or Well, he... Vanishes with him and brings Crace to his chamber where we saw him talk to Crichton. And he shows that, hey, Crichton's here. Uh, he is and he isn't. 
Yeah, this is this is where things get a bit weird. But he says to Christ, he says to Christ, you can have Crichton at a price. That's how he gets him to go with him. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the, is he there or is he or is something else going on? Because I, if- what I really like is that apparently there's either two versions of this room or they're existing in parallel um, versions of this room. Yeah. But Hayloff gives a brief glimpse uh, of John in the shadows, which is well done with the lighting here. Yeah, the lighting. There's a spot on him, so he appears. He's in a dark area, but a spot shines on him, uh, slowly gets turned on. So he appears. He's not paying attention to Chris, and then he disappears again by the spot going out again. It's it's a simple effect, but it really sells like he's here, but he's also not here. Yeah. So yeah, Dogger and Aaron have actually found where Crichton is. Or rather, they found his body, which is unconscious. So it's not actually that they've been teleported there. It seems that they're either mentally there or some kind of... Spiritually. Spiritually thing is going on. Uh, Liko actually basically explains that their essence has been ripped from their Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, he knows what's going on. So Dargo and Aaron found Crichton unconscious, and Aaron tells Dargo to go get Zan, because, you know, we need help. And meanwhile, Haloth has told Crichton that, I have bad news. Yeah. Got some bad news. Chris is here. (laughs) He just doesn't want to talk. He wants to kill you. And then... Haloth transforms from I'm an old man into this, like... Into David Bowie. Let's all be honest. uh, I don't think David Bowie ever looked quite that evil. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. He basically stands upright, loses the glasses and the beard and the fake voice, and gets like a black uh, outfit with puffy sleeves and a ruff around his neck Mm. and his yellow eyes. And he's like, hello, I'm obviously evil. (laughs) I, <laughs> I will be your big bad evil guy today. <laughs> How <laughs> may I help Craig, you? Chris Haywood plays the role of uh, Haloth or Maldus, as we quickly learn his name is. Yeah. And can I just say, this man goes to town with this role. Holy crap, he's having a, having a oh, blast. Oh, yeah. Because he not only played uh, Haloth and Maldus, he also played the Jester guy. Yes. Who uh, got quite into it, who was... It was all part of a ruse. <laughs> yes, and it's just... Oh, he I go- love it so much. He goes ham with it. Yeah, he's, he's hamming it up completely, and it works perfectly for this role. <laughs> yeah, so he's transformed into this new form, which we learn is called Maldus, and he brings Christ to Crichton, <laughs> and he tells him he's here to kill him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I thought we were going to talk. Well, no, no. Chris had a better, better offer. Good luck. <laughs> and so they have a scrap, and during that fight, John's hand gets cut. And then on John's actual body, there's this new wound appears in exactly the same place. Mm-hmm. So if you die in the Matrix, you die in real life. Yeah, basically. And so Lyco has is with the rest of the crew who have found Crichton and are trying to figure out what's going on, and he says that, okay, here's, here's the deal. Maldis, and this is the actual line... Mm-hmm. is an evil sorcerer that feeds off pain and death. Yes, that is exactly what he says. An evil sorcerer. So you can see why a wizard did it this episode. Like, literally, a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he ta- Basically, what he does is he taps into others' life energy and feeds on it. And he yeah. invaded their planet the, that they're on and killed half its population, apparently. Uh-huh. And uh, subjugated... the other half. Yeah. And it's like they all exist for his amusement, I guess. Yeah, something like that. Or to just farm and feed off. 
And before Maldis came, Lyco was apparently a high priest, but his powers were not strong enough to defeat him. I'm like, no. wait, okay, so every member of the various uh, space clergy that we've met so far has actual magic powers. Like, the, the, of course, they get that from their god. That's how these classes work, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> this is like, okay, this is... This is D and D right here. Like, yeah, this is definitely D and D. It's not like I don't know in something like Star Trek or where they're like, I believe in these gods, and they're like, all right, cool. They're like, no, I believe in this god, and it lets me do these magic powers. Yeah. <laughs> what you think I did? Did it just for the comfort? Hell no! Fireball, <laughs> lightning bolt, lightning bolt, <laughs> lightning bolt. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, apparently he, his powers were not strong enough to defeat Maldis, mm. and he can actually, he has a huge range that he can influence people over. Yeah, apparently fleeing uh, from the planet doesn't help. As long as, well, you, he, you won't get far enough away before he gets you, that, basically. That is actually fair. That's he, probably more accurate. He doesn't have infinite range. In fact, the only reason he's able to get to Krace is because they're in the Uncharted Territories, and he's... he's Probably close enough. If it, was, if it was on the other side of the galaxy, it would be a bit too Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't get entirely well explained, I feel. No, there's no, like, okay, he has a limit of X number of, you know... Sectors. Uh, or whatever it is. No. But uh, apparently Krace is actually close enough. So, there yeah. you go. Lyco also says that Moldus is apparently transcended, physical... He's non-corporeal. Yeah, so basically I went, so he's an ancient... Yeah, basically. I'm sorry. I'm also a big Star Stargate fan. He's an ancient, or he's like a Q, or he's or whatever. more likely an Ori. Yeah. Hello, to the Ori. Anyway, <laughs> he's enough. a spirit. He's on the elemental plane of uh, something. Shadow, uh, yeah. Sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. Enough. Enough of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're trying to figure out a way to take him down now because he's got Crichton, and also he's a really terrible evil person yeah and basically Lyco has said well once he's done with Crichton he's coming after you so you're all dead yeah because you're all new people here and he's gonna try and get you Roseanne asks him to help her to use uh, her abilities to hurt Moldis to fight Moldis basically yeah. and Lyco's like ah will never work he's too strong I'm like if they're going to die anyway at least go out swinging yeah it's worth a try yeah if um, you're dead anyway might as well put up a fight make him work for it and worse yeah, and Lyco's a little bit skeptical of uh, Zan's ability to do this because as a Delvian Pa'u, she's, you know, supposed to be very um, benevolent. She heals and she comforts. She yeah. doesn't hurt. And to actually be able to hurt Moldis, you have to do it with the intent. You have to uh, be ready to even kill him. And mm -hmm. he doesn't believe that she can, but she says it is possible. And she actually forcibly grabs him and says, I was capable of it before. Yeah. It's like... So we're reopening that uh, can of worms. That can of worms of uh, Zan's aggressive past. Yeah. So meanwhile, back with Moldis, he basically says that Kreis offered him bigger stakes than Crichton could because Crichton doesn't really have much to yeah. give him. At that point, actually, John has gotten away from Kreis. We don't see how, but apparently, he ran away from him. Yeah, John's got away and is sort of hiding in some kind of corridor, but uh, Moldis is there uh, tormenting him basically. Mm. <laughs> Being like, how are you doing? Why are you not fighting back? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and then John tries to punch Moldis, but he just tele just teleports out the way and he punches the wall instead. Yeah, it's like, oh. It's like, well, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> but then Kreis has actually found him and attacks him. Yeah. 
And We're on a scrap again. Round two, but Crichton is protesting that he did not murder Crace's brother, which is the whole it was reason. An accident. Yeah, this is the whole reason Crace has been chasing him. That when Crichton popped through the wormhole, he his ship crashed into Crace's brother's prowler and it exploded, killing Crace's brother. And Crace blames him for this whole thing, and that's why he's been chasing his ass all over space. Mm-hmm. But Crichton is trying to convince him that it was an accident, that it was not on purpose. He actually has Crace at his mercy. He could kill him. Yeah. But John's like, it was an accident, and he throws away uh, the weapon. Yeah. The spear, in this case. And Moldus is like, well, you missed your chance. <laughs> Back in the real world, Zan is trying to learn how to use her abilities to harm uh, Moldus. And we see the return of the two-headed chicken looking thing <laughs> yeah because uh, uh, Lyco is trying to get her to harm that as sort of a, a first step inflicting harm on another creature yeah inflicts wounds yeah basically <laughs> that's what we're doing here first of all the yelps that creature gives as Zan hurts it those are heartbreaking yeah wow. it's, and she's very upset she can't finish it off basically no. she, she breaks away and says she can't do it which it's an innocent creature. There is a difference between a malevolent yeah. sorcerer and an innocent bird. Yeah, this is true. Um, but Lyco is not convinced that she can't do it. Yeah, he's pretty convinced that she's basically holding back. Yeah, because she's she, bottling something up. Yeah, because she says she's incapable of it because she's evolved past the hatred to hurt others uh, from and her he's past. He's like, screw evolved, try repressed. And he makes the case that, yeah, you've suppressed your feelings and you're scared of them. And she's sort of denying it and so on. But uh, I like the way this, the, the, the conclusion to this scene is that it's not that she's afraid of uh, her feelings. It's that she knows she could destroy Moldus and that's what she's afraid of. Yeah, that terrifies her. Yeah. Being able to do that amount of harm, having that power. Yes. And... What I, what I do like is that Lyco, what Lyco is saying is actually true. I mean, we all have that dark side in us somewhere. Yeah. We all have those parts, and just completely shoving them down and pretending they don't exist is kind of dishonest, really. Yeah. Face it, own it, accept it. Yeah. Use it whenever you need it, but keep it away when you don't. Yeah, don't... That's how I look at those. I think it's, yeah, don't pretend they're not there. No. Yeah. Because that's when they get very dangerous. That's when they can sneak up on you. Mm. So, meanwhile, Crichton has explained to Crace what's really happened. He's actually been, you know, saying, trying to lay out his case, basically. Yeah. They, they Basically, they fight around a pit that suddenly bursts into flames. Oh, yeah. apparently there was oil. <laughs> but that means that Crace, being a Sebastian, he can't stand heat that much, so he yeah. can't get over to Crichton. I like that. So Crichton, at this point, is like, okay, now you're going to listen to me. <laughs> yeah, did I... you check the ship I mean you, you have scans of my ship what, it, what was it like and it's like it's a primitive little rinky dink thing basically yeah. it's very obviously it's like, inferior yes of course I went in there against an entire battle fleet I rammed my ship into a prowler hoping that I'd do what kill your brother it's... it was an accident that thing is barely capable of flying let alone okay it was pretty good at flying but it, it had no reason to being there. It was no way it could have been used as a weapon. Mm. And you can see Krace coming around to it, being like, I mean, these are the facts. Krace already knew this. Yeah, but he was very much blinded by his desire for revenge. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, when Crichton does lay it out, he's like, yeah, your ship is primitive, you're uh, weak or whatever, and hmm. But of course, out of nowhere, here comes uh, Maldis to to stop this revelation from happening. Be being like super evil, because what he does next, oh, oh yeah, yeah, because he's like, wow, yeah, he appears and he shows Kreis his father, and Kreis is like, you monster, how do you dare bring him here? And it's like, no, 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 these are just images. I wouldn't dare. Yeah, images from Crace's uh, past or from his memories. Mm -hmm. And Crace's father actually calls out two children to him, Bylar and Talvo, yeah. And it's... Uh, and Bylar is actually the Crace we know. Talvo is his younger brother. And he calls them out to him and says, the recruiter is here to pick them up. Mm -hmm. and, still, and he tells Bylar to stay close to Talvo. To protect, protect him. Yeah. Yeah, take care of your little brother. It's basically what he says. Yeah, and then the peacekeepers come to take them away. Mm -hmm. And so this is we're getting some insight into Crace's backstory here because they did not um, choose to join the peacekeepers. No, he was, Con as John puts it, Shanghaied or conscripted, really, or it's yeah, like kidnapped and kidnapped, case. yeah, even uh, taken away from their home um, and forced to join. But Crace insists they were chosen for peacekeeper duty. They, you know, he he's still. Kind of loyal it's, a, to it's a great honor, he says. Yes. I'm like, yeah, you keep telling yourself that. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's like, I don't think I buy that. And I don't think Crichton does either. <laughs> no. And then we are shown another memory of an adult Talvo coming in in his sort of uh, pilot's uniform and saying that it's an honor for him to serve with his brother. Yeah, it's like that, that uniform suits you. And I'm like, oh. that's probably what he looked like right? Uh, not that long before he died. And I'm like, Oh. oh, that is Maldus, that is cruel. Yeah. But he goes one step further. <laughs> like, Maldus is like, well, he probably looks something like this. We see it. And basically... His flesh burns off. His yeah, flesh burns off. erupts into a burning corpse and falls over and slowly disintegrates and ashes. And oh, it's, He looks it's a lot gross. like the corpses we actually saw in the last previous episode. It's kind of... Like yeah. Space death. And like, oh... God, you monster Moldus. Yeah. And of course, this heavily upsets Grace. Like, these are not images you want. Like, the memories are were bad enough. See, basically seeing his brother die again. Yeah, it's pretty heavy, and it's uh, Moldus basically goading Grace into attacking uh, Crichton, which he does. He leaps yeah. over the fire pit and uh, tries to get to Crichton, who makes his way around. But just that big leap over the incredibly hot fire pit as a sebation is, you know, <laughs> that's how fired up he is. No pun yeah. intended. <laughs> no, it's like, ugh. Like, this is where Moldus goes super evil. And I kind of like that because <laughs> this is a very effective way of getting some under somebody's skin. Yeah, I like that <laughs> Moldus is just, like, evil and under no uh, illusions about it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's incredibly evil. And he's like, yeah. I, I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> so back on the uh, planet, back in the real world, Eren and Dargo are trying to break through the door to effectively um, Moldus's compound or whatever it is. Sanctuary. San yeah. Wizard tower. Let's just call it that. It's not a <laughs> tower, but let's just call it the wizard tower. Yeah. Um, so she's gone to get a pulse rifle and she shoots the door. Nothing happens. No, it's just a... There's like a... And Dargo's like... 
It's protected by an evil spell. <laughs> it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is exactly Aaron's response. Like, there's no such thing. I actually, I liked Aaron in this, because she's like, thank you, you're saying everything I'm thinking. It's like, he, <laughs> I was like, a wizard did it. And Aaron's like, what the hell are you talking about? I, I do appreciate that Dargo is a bit more into this mysticism, and he, he believes Zahn in these things, and Aaron's like, no, it's bullshit. <laughs> so she reckons, okay, well, I can't get through by shooting it, but I don't know, I have to find another way. And mm-hmm. then Zan, Zan appears and says that uh, she can stop Maldis, but uh, she doesn't really want to. <laughs> wants a third option, which I like, because usually John gives the third option. But, but he, he is he, otherwise incapacitated yes, right now. He's, he's otherwise occupied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and she asks basically Dargo, like, if you, like, if you have, could you stop an evil by releasing a, another evil, would you do that? Yeah. He's like, and he says, I guess I would have to choose the lesser of the two evils. Yeah. Uh, and so she's like, well, guess I gotta go be evil. Yeah, guess I gotta let it out of the cage. Yeah. So, yeah, and actually when she says that she wants a third option, she wants a third option even though she knows that there isn't a third option. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's- yeah. There's some resign. Yeah, yeah. There's. She's very resigned to that. It's like, ah, shit. It's the only way out. So back with uh, Crichton and Crace. He's actually not. He stopped trying to fight or kill Crace. I think he's figured out that Mordis has got another motive. Yeah. For some reason, he's enjoying this a bit too much. Yeah, having way too much fun, and he reckons that Mordis is feeding off them. Of their yeah. desire for death. or Well, oh, the reason Crace isn't trying to kill him at this point is because they're basically at two ends of a very narrow oh, yeah. gap between walls. So they can't actually get to each other, but they can hear each other. Yeah, and he's like, wait, we're both being suckered in here. Like, I, I got tricked by Maldis, but you're being tricked as well. Or like, you know, he's not your friend. <laughs> no, he's, he's not helping you. He's the real enemy here. Yeah. Every time, every time we talk, he gets really tired and wants us to keep going. And whenever we start fighting, he gets excited and full of energy. Yeah. So John's like, "That's what he's feeding off." That's like good. That's some good uh, reasoning from John there. It's like, yeah. And John, John Makes also sense. is like, "Look, I get it. If you want, I'm very sorry he's dead. I, it was an accident. And if I could go back and change it, I would." And yeah, you're beating yourself up about it because you were. Uh, supposed to be protecting Talvo. Um, yeah. You know, your dad be- told you to do that, and I get it. Like, he gets it. He's very sympathetic to him. Yeah, which I like. He's Even though that Krace has been trying to kill him this whole time, he's, he, he understands why. Yeah, and Krace is like, it doesn't matter. And, I still want my revenge. It's like... Uh, and that... John is just like, oh, fuck. Uh, John is actually pissed about that. Like, even, yeah. even if... Say even he does believe... Crichton, even then he doesn't care. And John's like, what the hell? That's when he's probably realizing that, okay, Crace is not just out for revenge. He's crazy. Yeah, he's probably a few, there's probably a few screws loose there. Yep. And he says, Talvo must be avenged and Crichton will die in his hands. Ah. And then Maldus uh, appears again and... As Crace walks out, <laughs> just, walks he appears behind Crace. So John is looking straight at Maldus, like, oh... <laughs> and Maldis actually admits that yeah, John was right. He feeds off other people's life forces, mm-hmm. and death. He says death is the main cause. 
<laughs> yeah. What I do like is that Moldus, uh, that Moldus says, like, how is this different from anything else? I mean, you eat plants, that is also feeding off another, cre uh, another being. Yeah. I just go a bit more directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the actual line is, I admit it, I feed on death, but don't we haul? Some eat plants, some meat, I consume the life essence itself. Preferably medium rare. Yeah, I <laughs> love that That's one. what he actually said. Well, like I said, Moldus is enjoying himself. <laughs> Maybe he wants some ham to go with uh, his <laughs> life essence. Look, there was a lot of food at the, in the first room, so it might, he might actually eat there. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, he's yeah, saying... Well, best, best with a bit of ketchup. <laughs> but I do like that John also calls him on the well. If you if you feed on death and so on, then why are we just fighting each other? Why don't you just snuff us out? And he's like, well, this is the appetizer. <laughs> he likes to play with his food. And I'm getting hungry. Yeah. John's like breaks my fucking heart, and he walks away. <laughs> Wee. <laughs> Cry me a river. Cry me. Yep. Uh, so Zan is trying to get ready to do this to you know unleash her in a demon so to speak mm -hmm. um, but she's I mean she's trying with Lyco uh, again to you know use her powers for evil basically um, yep. and she's still not doing it very well and then Rigel comes on over the comm uh, complaining <laughs> about his remedy about, oh, I'm not right actually a uh, minor point at this point they've brought Crichton's body back up to the right. ship yeah 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 Rachel is looking over that. That it isn't relevant right now. It becomes relevant at the end. Yeah. So yeah, they take him back up to Moya um, and tell Rigel to look after him. Oh, okay. So Rigel comes over the comm to Zan and is his usual sort of complaining and moaning self, made worse by his uh, illness or by his cold mm -hmm. and whatever it is. And Zan is basically about to shut him off or about to you know get back to what she was doing, but like a <laughs> it's like, no, no, this is perfect. Let's har let's harm Rigel. And this is where I'm the, like, excuse me, <laughs> like the bird I can get, but you're prepared to just hurt a innocent sentient being just to well, get even out. Innocent is maybe a stretch. He's an. I'll admit, Rigel is, <laughs> Rigel is a massive asshole, but he's not evil, at all. Mm, okay, he yeah. doesn't deserve this. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was where actually Lyco st stepped over a line for me. Yeah, but I, I think what he's, again, what he's trying to do is just to really, really unleash that in a uh, evil, so that... In their evil, he's not really yeah. in their anger and inner power, yeah. he's actually going after the evil, which I object against. Yeah. He's the this is turning really the dark in the wrong direction. Yeah, he's maybe going a bit too far to the dark side. But actually they do it, they cause Rigel Payne together, both of them. They mm -hmm. kind of put their hands on each other's chest or whatever it is. Um, they touch, you know, they're kind of almost embracing each other and raising hands up to do magical power things. Yep. And right, we see Rigel actually in agony. Yeah, it's quite disturbing. He's already he's already unwell, and then he's been caused a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, oh... They don't kill him. Yeah, they don't kill him. He's he's fine afterwards, but... Zan is like, part of me enjoyed that. And she yeah. says that clearly terrifying. Yeah, she's very upset. To be completely honest, doing that to the bird, you probably wouldn't have enjoyed it. Doing it to Rigel, I can't see why you would enjoy that. <laughs> like, just to shut him up for a few seconds. Mm. 
another reason why I wouldn't use Rigel as a target for this one, but yeah. fair. So, Crichton is still trying to still trying to get through to Crace, even though you know he's tried several times at this point and it hasn't worked. Um, and he says, "Okay, if Mordis kills you, he still won't be satisfied." Yeah, I mean, if we fight, what happens if one of us dies? What do you think? The other one gets home? <laughs> we leave? Yeah, he he wants more from you than just to kill me or yeah. the other way around. And so Chris is like, okay, a truce. And John's like, okay, first thing we need to figure out is uh, how much pot And Chris just attacks him. <laughs> truce lasts sort of five seconds. Yeah, I, I like that John's like, okay, if we both remain calm, we can starve him out. His powers can't be infinite. There's actually a good plan from John, yeah. given their situation. Like, Perf they don't have a lot, but what they have, that is probably the best bet they have. And then Kreis beats him with a chain. Yes. <laughs> he actually pulls his arm out of the socket. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, the sound effect is mm -hmm. horrifying. Give the, so give the sound department uh, a keg of beer for that one. Cause well, yeah, because he knocks him, knocks him to the ground, and Kreis grabs his arm, grabs uh, Crichton's arm, with the chain just yanks on it and there's this horrible snapping and popping sound. I thought he actually broke it instead of just popping it out. And then, so there's that horrible snapping sound and then he pulls it again and then there's another horrible snapping just sound. Just three times. times. And it's just like, oh, mm, that's, no, no, stop. <laughs> but yeah, John manages to chase him off after that, uh. which I don't really get because you'd think Chris is like, oh, Disar disarmed opponent. Well, let's finish this off. <laughs> but no. But no. But no. And uh, we're back with Rigel now in the next scene, which is. <laughs> I, lo I love this scene. Let's this be honest. Is Rigel so is being very cordially and actually very nice because he's convinced that John is dead and he's giving him uh, actually the burial ceremony. He's like, oh. Dear, dear friend Crichton. No. Well, friend's a bit of a stretch. Uh, reluctant shipmate. <laughs> Actually, can I talk about something? So when Crichton is brought onto the ship for the first time, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> Rigel actually looks and pokes him. He's like, well, it looks dead to me. <laughs> yeah, so he's convinced about that. And he, and now he goes like, oh, well, okay, well, I wish you were well in the great fields beyond. And like, No, actually, that's for Hynarians. Go find your own fields. Uh, it's a hallowed place, I think. Hallowed. Said. Place. Yeah. Like, go find your own hell of place. <laughs> oh, you can't uh, come here. With that, I legally pronounce you dead and tickle the clay with all your stuff. And like, ah, there is the right. <laughs> there it is. And he actually just starts unfastening Crichton's boots and is like, yeah. right, let's get down to it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was being actually kind of nice, being like giving him a proper ceremony and like a bit harsh, but okay, fair. And then he, <laughs> then the. And I claim uh, claim ownership of all your possessions. Like ah, there's the Rigel I know. <laughs> Look, that's the bard slash rogue being like, okay, he died. Can I have his stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's not dead yet. It's like I'm I'm, I'm going to take his stuff. He can't stop me. <laughs> Everyone else at the table is like, God damn it, really, really. Especially the one that's playing uh, Crichton. It's just like, I, I can't do anything. I'm in this other adventure somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do something to stop him? No. The DM's like, no, no. Your, your, your mind is somewhere else. Can you I? don't know this is happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't even know this is happening. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, funnily enough, back with the... What? what? <laughs> Sorry. I saw a note from a previous scene. The one where John and uh, Chris are fighting. 
there's some sort of spinning contraption in there, and I was like, oh, hey, look, they got the art school involved. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. It's, it's the scene where they're uh, discussing a truce, and it's basically a load of metal beams rota- uh, stacked on top of each other, spinning around. Uh, reminding me a tiny bit about uh, one of those uh, upright windmills. Yeah, or like a... And with spikes, uh, with, with metal bars, basically, sticking out. And like, yeah. I'm sorry, the first thought is, what the hell is that doing here? <laughs> uh, you know, don't worry about it. But back with uh, Moldis, Crichton, and Craze. Actually, Moldis is getting low on energy. He's kind of, he wants them to get fighting again because Crichton's managed to get away. <laughs> and we have another scene where they're in a long corridor and um, they're... Maldis is talking to Crichton while Crichton is popping his shoulder back in yeah, by ramming like, it against whoa. the wall mm-hmm. repeatedly. It's just, oh, wow. <laughs> and he actually, and Maldis actually says, oh, you broke this. It's like you did when you were a teenager. Cause he's, oh, well, I'm riding a bike. Or a motorcycle, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... But actually, he says, like, look, only one of one of you needs to die. Yeah, Might as well be Chris. I don't need the other one dead. The other well, John's like, yeah, right. What does the other one get? Trip to Bermuda? <laughs> it's like, uh, no, I, I'll send you back. Uh, I'll send you back to your ship. The, uh, one, of, one of you can go back to your ship. And I give you my word. And it's like, yeah, what, 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 what is that worth? And he's like, more than Chris's. And that's, mm. I think, where John snaps. John's yeah. like, you know what? Fine. Chris is an animal. That's being come clear. He's insane. I'll do it. I'll fight him. And he gets quite pissed and is like, tell Chris I'm, I'm waiting for him. <laughs> and yeah, John's basically like, he's, gonna, he's actually prepared to fight. So Mordis leads Chris to Crichton and they have their fight. They have a scrap. Yeah. And John actually fights back and he tries to actually... Basically, kill Trey, Crace in a chokehold. He's trying to choke him. Yeah, he does a good job. Um, and meanwhile, Zana and Lyco have begun their ritual to try yeah. and get uh, get, get to Moldus. Get to Moldus. But uh, as Crichton is holding Crace ready for the killing blow, Moldus teleports <laughs> Crace back to the carrier. Yeah, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> Actually, Crichton played right into Moldus's hands because he finally mm-hmm. got Crichton to do what he wanted, which was. Anger Chris. Anger, yeah, get Chris even more pissed off. Yeah, aggravate him to keep going. Yeah. Because what Moldus wants is the command carrier. Yeah, he wants Chris to start searching out Crichton and keep going where he is, and eventually he'll make his way to this planet. Yeah, where... at least clo- or at least close enough for Moldus to, grab, uh, to the... grab control of it. Yeah, because apparently they're close enough to get Chris. But not so. Okay, this is a problem I have with this. Yeah, that was me as well. Like you only got Chris. There's so a, it's close enough, I'd expect. Yeah, there's a little bit of inconsistency here. Like why, if, did, why did why did why did Mollus even need Crichton? Why couldn't he have just fabricated this? Just the illusion of it. I don't know. I he, mean, he, it was creating a lot of other illusions during during this uh, period. He could have easily done it with Crichton. Yeah, I don't know. Also, I'm going to quote James T. Kirk on this one. Why does God need a spaceship? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why does God need a spaceship? What the hell? At this point, Moldus has been basically showing is showing powers equivalent to a god, uh, or at least very, very strong. And like, why would he even need a command carrier? 
I mean, take Moya. You don't even need the command carrier to wreak havoc. We've sh you've shown that. Yeah, I mean, he can influence people over a seemingly long distance, and if all he's concerned about is moving around and reaching more people, then any old spaceship will do. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not entirely... I, I think, again... If he wants the command carrier, just take Moya and go straight for the command carrier. It's true. not like you can be killed by the ship blowing up. Well, I mean... It's clearly non-corporeal. Yeah, so his justification is that the carrier is an instrument of death and destruction, which is what he feeds on, so... You know, he can bring carnage on a massive scale with one of those and grow even more powerful. But, again, if he's close enough to get Krace, why can you not get the command carrier from... I don't quite get it. Just influence Krace enough to get over here. I mean, like, that's... that's give it, give, just give him a hint, like... Yeah, he doesn't tell him where they are, that's the thing. It's like, you... you yeah, just, that would have been way easier. Like, give it, just give him, in the back of his mind, an idea, just a thought... A bit of intuition that maybe he's, he's in that direction. You don't need to do anything more to get him close. Yeah. It's the subtle things. The mastermind works with the subtle things. Come on. Mortis isn't, is anything but subtle. Let's be that, honest. Okay, fair. <laughs> I think he might, he might just be enjoying this too much. That's probably true. But he wanted Chris to continue his pursuit until the carrier's in reach because he was going to... Actually, Chris was considering turning back, but mm -hmm. now he's been uh, reinvigorated to come after Crichton. Yeah. And so, Moldus is like, I didn't lie about one thing, though. One of you gets to go home and the other one dies. One Send Grace home, so you now need to die. No, and then, but then, Zahn out of nowhere. Yeah, just from the back. <laughs> RKO, You can see he's in agony, because yeah, she's just verbally screaming, but his face is caught in a scream. Yeah, so Zahn and Lyko's uh, ritual was a success, and you know, Zan is basically transported into the reality where um, Mordis and Crichton are. And yeah, like you said, she puts her hands over his head and just like blue lightning around his head. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, another wizard did it. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, okay, he's, he's, corpor he's corporeal now. Go ahead. And, and John just punches him. And he explodes. And like, there were knives there. At least be more creative with that. <laughs> But yeah, he punches him into dust, basically. Yeah. And, and they get both get blown back, and both Zan and John wake up. Yeah. And, and Zan finds um, the uh, Lyko uh, on the ground. Yeah, he... Dying. He, yeah, because the strain of the ritual is clearly too much for him. Um, but he he thanks her before he, before he dies. Thanks her for helping the greater good. Yeah, being like, it was worth it. His only regret was that they didn't shag. Basically. <laughs> that last word might have not actually been in that sentence, but the rest was there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were clearly clearly setting them up to do it, but <laughs> mm. but unfortunately he died. Yeah. Uh, John waking up also has an intimate moment. <laughs> Rachel. Because <laughs> Rachel just was about to go away with his shoes, and John just wakes up, grabs him, and is like, oh. And he's like incredibly happy and a bit nutty again. Nutty Crichton coming out again. <laughs> and he's like, well, this isn't candless and you're a lot homelier. But anyway, and she just kisses him straight on the mouth. <laughs> it's like, whoa, okay. Like, also, he's still sick with cold. That's not sanitary. Oh, shit, right. That's not sanitary, John. What are you doing? <laughs> like, that's gross. He's like all runny and like, ugh. Let's be honest. No. I think from John's perspective, Rigel can't really get any grosser. 
True. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically kissing a frog. <laughs> and this one didn't turn into a no, it did not. Prince. And he's already a domino. Why would he turn into a prince? That's below him. <laughs> uh, but then Kreis has woken up back on his command carrier as well, of course. Yeah, and he's like, he sends the doctor away. He's like, we'll keep it out of the records because Kreis doesn't want this to go to high command. And the doctor's like, fine. Yeah, actually, there was. <laughs> I, don't want to, I, I don't want my failure documented. Yeah, actually, there was a small scene earlier on. I think we missed, but it, it's not a uh, huge thing. But uh, we saw that. Uh, Chris's second in command, uh, Teague, was they were they were trying to figure out what was going on with Chris well, because he'd been made unconscious, mm-hmm. but she was very much keeping it uh, quiet. She, yeah, she was like the others were like, we need to inform High Command, we need to do things. He, you need to take over, and she's like, no, 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 no. As long as there's a chance to recover, we're not doing that. She's actually she's actually covering for Chris very yeah. very well. She's very loyal to him. Yeah, which makes what happens next. Even worse, because Chris has woken up, you know, no more scans, omit this incident from the log, and he says to Teague, okay, were there any other communications with high command? And does anyone else know what happened? She says no. No, so it's just the two of us know what happened. Yeah, the only two people who know are in this room. She's like, yes. And then he snaps her neck. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, out of nowhere, it's like... It's like, okay, like, we're the only uh, two people who know? Good. Now there's only one. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, oh, she's been covering you for you the whole time. You, this is probably the only person on the ship you can trust. Yeah, she's... And you kill her. Grace is messed up. <laughs> He's completely insane at this point. Like, like I, was, I, was, I was prepared to give him some slack, but holy crap. Yeah, that's just, oh, it's savage. Yeah. And, and that, it actually really shocked me when I was watching it. I was like, I mean, they've, they've been setting them up as like, yeah, loyal companions, and then he's just like, right, good, crunch. That, t- that took me by surprise as well. I was like, Ugh, whoa, okay. Mm. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever Crichton did, did not get through to Kreis, and he's even even crazier than he was before. Minor point, what is he going to do with the body? There's probably ways to <laughs> like, deal with it, I don't know. Waste like, disposal. Uh, uh, necks get broken accidentally all the time, and just it just happens. A wizard did it. Okay, a wizard did it. Actually, yeah, fair. They probably <laughs> believe that. Uh, oh. So we go back to Moya and everyone sort of settling down after what happened. And Zan has, sol- has told the crew that actually she didn't quite kill Mordis. She dispersed him. Yeah, but he, he will be back for a long time. But he will be back. He'll reform slowly. Mm-hmm. And Aaron is like, look, I misjudged you. You are actually a warrior. Oh, and that oh, I love this scene because yeah she says that and uh, Zan walks off quite Zan upset. Zan visibly frightened and taken aback by that comment. Yeah, and you know, Aaron is trying to compliment her and say that you know, yeah you're more of a warrior than I thought. But then Erin uh, asks Dargo what's up, and I like this line. Uh, this is a good line from Dargo. He says, yeah. "You called her a warrior. You could not have cut her more deeply." Mm-hmm. Because. Because it's clear that Dargo actually understands her a lot better than uh, Aaron does. Yeah, because like you said, um, Dargo is much more in, kind of uh, prepared to accept the spiritual or mysticism or whatever it is and mm-hmm. uh, than Aaron was. Even though they're both soldiers, it seems that Dargo has a much greater kind of spiritual or mm-hmm. uh, whatever side to him. And Aaron is just all about, you know, 
tactics and logic Facts. and all that stuff. Intelligence, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So in this case, Dargo is right. Oh, we can add to the count. Yeah, Yay! We can actually add to the Dargo is right. right. How many How many were we at before? I think we're at one. All right, that's two. <laughs> all right, Dargo was right, count two. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just love that. The way he says, you know, you could not have cut her more deeply because yeah, because that is true. She doesn't, she doesn't want to be that person. She does not want to be a warrior. No. Uh, that's, that's what she's been moving slash running slash hiding from. Yep. That's all her life. Exactly. Uh, and and we're gonna follow that up with a scene from Crichton actually getting out his tape recorder again for the first yeah. time in a while. Makes a re uh, reappearance. I don't think we've actually seen it since the premiere. Nope, we haven't. <clears throat> I haven't seen it uh, from that point on. So, yeah, he's actually recording uh, a tape for DK, who is his uh, best friend, who, if you remember, was uh, his partner on the Farscape project. Yes, and uh, he, I think he records... Apparently he also records for his dad, because I remember in the first episode he was recording uh, a message yes. for his dad. So I guess he's... In alternating between those two yeah something like that um but he's you know he's basically summing up what happened and you know he thought he could convince Crace of the truth but now he realizes that that's not going to work whatever he tries and Crace is not going to stop until one of the, them is dead yeah so yeah pretty heavy and speaking of heavy mm. heavy stuff zan comes in and is she's quite upset she's still very She's very sh shaken by the whole thing. Shaken is, yeah. is I think, actually, shaken is an understatement at this point. But <clears throat> yeah. yeah, and she tells Crichton that you know before, so she's revealing now to Crichton because we've we as the audience have seen this revelation before. But um, before she was a priest, she was a savage. Actually, Crichton mentions that he that she said that before. Oh right, yeah, he's yeah, she and said that didn't... before, but he didn't believe her. Yeah, he couldn't see it. Yeah. She's like, well, you've never seen that side of me. And now he kind of has. And she thought she didn't, she'd never have to bring it back. But... And I like that John's like, well, you brought it out once, and it can go back, in his, back, back away again. And she's like, That's, it's not that easy. I don't think it can. Yeah, she says she, yeah, she doesn't think she can make it go away again. Because clearly it was not an easy task in the first place. Mm -hmm. And she's not convinced she can do it a second time. And she says none of them can help her. Yeah, she actually, John stands up and is like, look, is there anything I can help? I mean, uh, anything I can do, maybe just be listening. And she hurts him. Yeah, she like, raises she, her hand to him and does like her magic powers and, yeah, and causes him harm. Yeah, and she actually hurts him, and he's taken aback by that. I mean, he's totally frightened by that. And she, she is well. She's frightened by it herself and is like, I'm terribly sorry. And she, she goes away, and I'm like, Oh, and the, actually, the, what she says and the way she says it when she's hurting him, it's like nobody can help me. And we actually see the dark Zan really come out at that point. I'm like, yeah, remember what I said about not stuffing your dark side away? Yeah, because this is what happens. Because one uh, on one side, yes, it's probably because it's been repressed so long. On the other, on the other hand, I'm like, I can see why Sam wanted to push this away. Because if it, this is just a sliver of it, oh boy. Yeah, and that's where the episode ends. Like mm -hmm. that—that's what we end on. We end on uh, Zan hurting John and 
you know, sort of recoiling from it and John being distressed by it. And then we cut to cut to end credits. It's a perfect place to cut, actually, I feel. Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay, this episode has been wrapped up, things have been resolved, but there's still, there's, not everything has been fixed. No, I mean, both Kreis and Zan are clearly down a new path yeah. in their stories. Kreis be, being just having completely lost his mind, and Zan losing hers, basically. Yeah, which is a great way to end, like, character development, it's a thing. Yeah! yeah. My jam! Woo! <laughs> But yeah, that is the end of the episode. That's where it finishes. What, mm-hmm. do, what do we think? I I really like this episode. Aside yeah. from the whole the wizard did it part. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed this one a lot. Yeah, that was all of the character moments. Seeing Crace's backstory, seeing his family, mm-hmm. seeing... Actually giving him a bit more humanity, even though he's a broken man, clearly. Like, even sending up a little bit of sympathy for him in that yeah. he was not... He didn't particularly want this lifestyle he was he was uh it was kind of forced on him yeah and the fact that his vengeance it runs even deeper than it being his brother because he also broke his promise to his dad mm. yeah and i really like that you you actually start to feel sorry for grace mm-hmm. um even though you can't even though he's trying to kill you know john and is snaps the neck of his um second in command at the end of the episode but you feel that he's been yeah mm-hmm. he's, he's been through the ringer as yeah they say. exactly um, and again we delve even further into Zan's dark past and the fact that she's not the sort of perfect uh, you know healer or uh, whatever pacifist, pacifist that uh, she tries to be and oh yeah it's like we up until the this point we've mostly been establishing these characters yeah and with the last episode and this one we're actually seeing these characters evolve like Aaron and John get, uh, getting along a bit better or at least revealing that what their connection is going to be in the future mhm uh Zahn basically falling from grace yeah. as as you could call it and Grace basically just going the path of more insanity uh, yeah, no, this is really good. And other standout parts were, uh, like we said earlier, the acting from Moldis just being just over the top enough. <laughs> yeah, like just that, would nail that part. Just the right balance of over the top and menacing. Like, yeah, it didn't. Detra- it wasn't so completely zany that it detracted from the rest of the episode. It actually fit in perfectly. Yeah, it, I I really liked the only the only black mark I could find in this entire episode. Is the acting from um, uh, Lenny Tupu, the the oh right the guy that plays Grace, Grace, at the point of the reveal of the backstory, like his emotions felt a bit forced. It was maybe a little over the top. I I did kind of buy it because at that point he had been, he was actually still kind of distressed and very, very enraged. So yeah, okay, he probably wasn't thinking clearly. I felt I felt the delivery wasn't that great, but I, that's that's fair. But I mean. It didn't bother me that much, but... No, but that's I, the I can see only thing I could find. So, yeah, I think if, if, I'm, that's, if that's the only thing you can find, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. It's. I think I'm just going to have to do another five here. Oh, another five. All right. I get, um, I, I've been running, running it through my head, and I can't mm, find a good reason to go to a four. Uh, yeah, I, I would have to agree. I can't. Like, there's nothing I'd change about this episode. 
I think the only thing for me is that... I mean, I guess this is something we have to accept now with this universe, is that the whole mysticism and uh, magic stuff is apparently real and is not just... I mean, we accept it in Star Wars, so I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's fine. It's just that it's suddenly like, okay... Like I said, we the, coming off uh, PK Tech Girl, which was very much like not hard, hard sci-fi. sci-fi. I wouldn't say hard sci-fi, but you know, sci-fi with you know science. Yeah, I guess harder mm. sci-fi than this. And now it's just like okay, magic, fantasy, all that stuff. Uh, okay, it, I could see that. Yeah, but I, it didn't bother me that much. But. No, I, it's not a huge uh, problem. Uh, so I would probably say, if I was going to do half marks, it might be four and a half, but. Yeah, if I, if I did half marks, I'd go for four and a half here, actually. But, but I think I, I don't think, feel like this is ex, this is special enough that I would want to go for half marks. No, we can round up. I, yeah, I think I'll agree with that. Round up and give it another five out of five. Another mm-hmm. solid, really good episode, and with some great performances and you know great bits of uh, character development. I, I'll admit, like the opening of this episode had me worried, of like, oh, is this going to be really weird and kind of. Uh, wacky guy, you know, tricking Crichton into a thing, and it's like actually no, it delivered way beyond that. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a great, yeah, I just love it. Yeah, really good. Writing high. <laughs> yeah, and uh, oh, one quick bit of trivia as we round out the episode. So you yes. know, we had all the fire on the uh, set of the uh, where Mordis had Crichton and Grace, and there was a big fire pit that they were staring yeah. over. Apparently, a lot of that fire had to be added digitally. Ooh. Because, particularly the one in the big fire pit. Because yeah. that would have been too big to kept lit and stay safe for the actors involved. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, but I actually didn't notice that during the episode, so they did a good job. Well done. It was slightly noticeable, I guess, but. Ah. <laughs> and they also it looked had... good. It looked very good. I bought it. Yeah. That, that there was you go. true. But yeah, no, this was, again, another really good episode. We're on a roll here. Mm. Uh, I mean, let me see. Let me just see. I, I, can we at least have one disaster episode in this series? Please, okay. just one. As far as I know, so I, I don't know which episode this is, but I know from reading a bit of uh, background on you know, Fan Reaction 2 Season 1, almost all of Season 1 is actually pretty good, but I think there is one episode that is supposed to be pretty bad. Okay, good. I but want to I, do, I don't know what episode that is. You don't know what episode that is. We'll find out together. <laughs> I Yeah, I don't want to know beforehand. It's going <laughs> to no. be way more fun. No, I don't know either. But, I mean, I hope it's going to happen sooner or later. But uh, we'll see. But uh, speaking of uh, future episodes, we've got another one, of course, next week, which will be DNA Mad Scientist. Oh. Is this guy going to be as aggressively evil as Moldus? Maybe. I hope so. Maybe. Let me see if I can get a very brief summary. I don't want to spoil anything, but... Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. In exchange for samples of their DNA, a genetic scientist offers the crew of Moya star charts to re- their, reach their respective homeworlds. Sounds like a fair deal. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> we'll find out next week, I guess. We will, and, yeah, we'll be back next week with that. And until then, uh, this podcast is brought to you by the general support of the Can't Wear Hats Patreon. So that's listeners like you. Ooh. So that's uh, patreon.com slash can't wear hats, which supports this 
uh, podcasts and live streams on Twitch and many other things to come. It's all, there's a few things that are work in progress and you'll hear more about that soon. Secrets. Secrets. Ooh. I'm going <laughs> to tell you. But uh, yeah, and if you want to contact us, you can find me on Twitter at Hats. And Red, you are at Vidalcan Entry. Yes, Vidalcan Entry, indeed. Hooray. And, yeah, there's also the YouTube channel, which has uh, previous episodes and previous uh, archives of live streams. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, there you go. And, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We we certainly enjoyed uh, watching this. This was yeah. a good one. And we'll be back next time with DNA Mad Scientist. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right, Red, you can put those plates down now. Oh, I've been holding those up for a week. Oh. oh, do you know, I forgot to plug them in. I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs>